0: Far away, rising he just freely forever. One day he's coming, oh, glorious day, oh, glorious day. And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast glad you could join us. The prophet Joel warned the people of ancient Israel to wake up and to repent of their sins. Today in Joel chapter 2, we'll see that God is most interested in our hearts and he wants our hearts to be torn to the point that we are quick to confess our sins. Specific help today for confessing our sins.
1: Well, a warm and a blessed Mother's Day to all the mothers who are listening this morning. We appreciate all that you do for all of us to help us along through the days of the weeks and the months and the years. At Calvary Bible Church this morning, we're going to have a joint combined worship service to honor mothers at 11 a.m. The sermon I'm going to be sharing has a lot to do with the topic of acceptance Uh, The world tells moms, you are what you do, or you are what you wear, you are what you drive, you are what you achieve, you are what you weigh, but God says that the believing mom is who Christ has made her to be, that the believing mom is accepted in the beloved whose name is Jesus. It's going to be a great time of worship, a great time of considering
0: the acceptance that we all have in Christ. Happy Mother's Day. And now, with this message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott.
1: But what repentance does, church, the judicial side of God's judgment on sin is settled by Jesus. He absorbed all the judicial punishment and wrath that our sin deserves. But there's a fellowship component to our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And if we want to have unbroken fellowship, intimacy, nearness... Answered prayer, then we need to identify sin, be sorry enough for it that we stop sinning, be sorry enough for it that we turn from sinning and go in the directions of repentance and obedience. And so God has withheld His intended judgment on us at the cross, He put it on Jesus, but He wants to not have to spank us. Hebrews chapter 13 is a sign of our legitimacy as his sons or daughters. He doesn't want to have to spank us, but he will to correct us. He'll chasten us if need be if we don't repent of sin that he identifies for us by his spirit. And so, what ancient Judah of the prophets Joel's day needed to know is exactly the same as what we need to know. And it's this, it's the big idea of our sermon tonight. It's what you take away in your purse if you take nothing else away. It's what you put in your pocket when you walk away from Joel 2, 1 to 14. And it's this idea. The Lord's greatest interest is in the hearts of his people. God's greatest interest in you is an interest in your heart condition. If you hold your places in Joel and go back in the Old Testament to 1 Samuel 16... A verse with timeless application. It's in the context of picking a human king for Israel. And what is the ultimate criterion for picking a human king according to the Lord? And in 1 Samuel 16 verse 7, I'd underline this verse if you underline in your Bibles. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance Or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. That is the first king, Saul. He was a middle linebacker. He was handsome. GQ. God says, don't look at his handsomeness. Don't look at his physical, imposing frame and muscles. Don't look at his height, because I look at his heart. And he's disqualified. He has a disqualified heart. Again, verse 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have rejected him. Why? For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart and still does. He still does. And so the timeless truth, the big idea of this sermon is the Lord's greatest interest is in the hearts of his people. God's greatest interest in you and me is our hearts. You could say that God is a heart doctor. What do you call a heart doctor? A cardiologist. And God is a cardiologist and he has his prophet Joel tell ancient Judah in verse 13 to rend your heart And not your garments. Why would God tell them, the first readers, rend your heart and not your garment? Oh, because back then, the most common and typical way to show you were sorry for your sin was to rip your clothes. We think it's odd. Back then, when you were a Jew, you would rip your clothes, your own clothes. And then, You would put your clothes back on, ripped, and you'd wear them around for a week or a month or a year. And anybody who saw you on the street would see your ripped clothes and would say, Oh, she's really sorry for some sin. Oh, he's truly repentant of one of his sins or more. But God, the cardiologist, says to Joel, the prophet, Tell the people to rend or rip your heart, not your garments. God really didn't want them to just rip their clothes. He wanted them to rip their hearts. Because he's a heart doctor. And his greatest interest is in believers' hearts. But the problem was, back then, that it was actually a lot easier to rip your clothes than it was to be truly sorry for your sins at a heart level. I can relate to this. It's a lot easier to wear an NFL jersey of your favorite NFL player with his name on your back than it is to make the team and play in the NFL. It's a lot easier to wear a replica jersey of your favorite NFL football player than to make the team. And back then it was a lot easier to just rip your clothes and wear ripped clothes, but really not have a ripped heart, a repentant heart. Still it's like this today beyond football jerseys too. It's easier for you and me to say we're sorry sometimes than to really be sorry. We might just be sorry that we have to say we're sorry. It's way easier for you and me today to dress up and to attend a local church's worship service perhaps than to enter into worship authentically with our minds and with our souls. God isn't so concerned with how we dress to come to church. He's concerned with how attuned our hearts are to his spirit and his word. It's a lot easier for us to put a few bucks in the offering plate perhaps than to put our lives at the Lord's full disposal, Allah, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's a lot easier to stand in line to pay our respects at a casket at a funeral home than to fully empathize with the widow's full loss. It's easier for us to bow our heads in prayer meeting than to sincerely track with the one who's actually praying out loud in the meeting. It's easier to sing words in a worship service of songs than to think them through into personal burning worship. It's easier for Judah to rip her clothes than to rip her heart. And maybe it's a whole lot easier for us to do these outward things than to rip our hearts in repentance. The Lord wanted and the Lord still wants torn hearts. He wanted them back then, So much that he was absolutely fine, and he told them through his prophet, he was absolutely fine with clothes remaining untorn if their hearts were in fact torn. See, God wanted them back then, and God still wants us as a church today to be heartbroken over sin. We should pray often that God would make us as burdened for the things that burden him as he is burdened. For lost people going to hell, we should be as burdened as God is for people going to hell. For our own hidden and private sins that are private to other people but full knowledge to God, we should have the same burden for our own sins of habit that take us away from close intimate walk with Jesus Christ as God has burdened for those unconfessed sins that are in us. God wanted them to be broken hearted over their sins. And God wants us today to still be broken hearted for our sins that aren't confessed. What would being broken hearted over sin look like to you or to me? I think nine things. Probably there are more, but I've identified nine. What would be broken hearted over sin look like? Number one, it would be fearing God more than fearing people. Number two, it would be confessing specific sins to the Lord. It would not be settling for prayers like, and for all of my sins, forgive me. That is a shotgun blast confession. But First 1 John 1, 1.9 talks about a rifle shot confession.
0: Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk. With Pastor Nicholas Rodgers.
2: Good morning, this is Pastor Nicholas, and today we want to start a new series on talking about Jesus in tough times. You may be listening to this broadcast, and you may be going through a rough time, and I don't know what it is, I don't know if it's your parents are just broken up, having a divorce, or you're struggling in school with grades, or whatever it is you're struggling with. We need to understand that in our lives that we all go through tough times. The question for all of us is this, is how do we respond in those tough times? You know, we can look at the life of Jesus and we have to understand even him went through tough times. And Jesus showed us the way that we are to respond during tough times. And I think that as we consider this and we look at God's word and we consider how Jesus himself went through tough times, we need to remember one thing, is that he turned to his father. And I think that too many times in our lives when we go through tough times, we want to turn to all sorts of different things. We want to turn over to drugs. We want to turn over to gangs. We want to turn over to Um, pornography, sex, whatever it is, we turn to all these different things. But Jesus himself turned to his Father, and he turned to him in prayer. And as we consider the life of Jesus, and we consider what he went through, and we consider what he's going to face, Jesus is getting ready to face the crucifixion. He's getting ready to face a betrayer. He's getting ready to face the death and the sin of the world upon him. And Jesus here turns to prayer. And this is what it says in in Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. It says that then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he told the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. So as we see here, Jesus is upset. He is giving his disciples an order to just sit here while I go over here and pray. And we know prayers. Prayers when we talk to God, when we tell God how we feel, we talk to him, we, we show him, and, and we, we are straight up with him. And we see in this passage where we're going to see that Jesus was straight up with his father. Jesus struggled. He was going through a rough time where he knew that someone was going to betray him, and he knew what he was going to be facing. Verse 30, it says, and he said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Here it is. Jesus is looking for his disciples to just stay here. But he also wants them to stay awake. You know, don't go to sleep. Stay awake. And I think that as we consider this and we consider how Jesus, you know, Jesus, we shown his humanity here. Because as we know, he's 100% God, 100% man. He's shown his humanity here to say, I am grieved. I am hurt to the point of death. I want you just to stay here and stay awake. Don't go to sleep, but just stay awake. Going a little farther in verse 39 says, He fell face down and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. You see, Jesus, as he knows what he's going to face, he's talking to his father and he says, If any way possible, can this cup pass from me? But he recognized that it's not his will, but it's God's will. And I think that we need to understand in our lives as we go through tough times that everything is a part of God's will. We go through tough times because God wants us to grow sometimes. We go through tough times because he wants us to turn to him. We go through tough times because this is life on this, this side of the earth. You see, we're going to go through tough times. It's not whether we're going to go through tough times. It's when we're going to go through tough times. What do we do? Do we turn to all the things that the world has thrown at us that, to make us happy for a period of time? Or do we turn to God the Father? Do we turn to Him in prayer? Do we talk to Him? Do we tell Him how we feel? You see, we can go through all the Scripture and we see people like David and also sort of different people in the Bible as they talked to God and they told God how they felt. And they were going through a rough time and they needed God's help. But I want to ask you a question this morning. What is it that you're going through? What is it that you need to go to God and talk to Him about? You see, Jesus shows the example as He is struggling. And He is saying, look, I need to go and pray. I need to spend some time with my Father. I need to spend some time just talking to Him. And asking Him, if there's any way possible, can this pass from me? You see, I think too many times in our lives, we again, we turn to everything else. And God's the last resort. We try to, to fix it on our own. We try to do this thing and that thing. And we realize that it doesn't do anything for us. You know, a lot of times, like I said, as a young person, we want to we follow in, in gangs. And we want to follow in, in the drugs and the alcohol. And we think that this is going to make us happy. But the reality is that that can make you happy maybe for a while. But what's going to happen is, is that you're going to pay the price and the consequences. You see, people think that as, as you as you drink and you smoke and, and you party, again, you know, we have a good time during that time, but you realize that you're empty. And you need to fill it with something. You need to fill it with that time with the Father. You need to fill it with someone who cares about you, who, who accepts you no matter what it is you're going through. And again, as Jesus is, is saying here, look, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. I want to ask you this morning as we close. I want you again to really think about your life. Think about it. What it is that you're going through right now. Like I said, your parents can be going through a divorce. You can be in a part of your life where you don't know where to turn, that you feel that no one accepts you, that you're all alone. I would advise you to, to call someone, to talk to someone. I first of all advise you to go to God, but if you need to talk to someone, please feel free to call us here at Calvary Bible Church at 326-0800 and you can ask for Pastor Nicholas and we can look at scripture and how God can help us through this and if we need more counseling we have a Christian counseling center here at Calvary Bible Church but the reality is is that we do not want you to do something you're going to regret we want you to turn from what it is you're facing and turn to the Father because only in the Father that we can find fulfillment only in the Father that we can find someone that's always there to listen to us who intently listens to his children. So I would challenge you, again, whatever it is you're going through, talk to him about it. And again, that number is 326-0800. And again, this is Pastor Nicholas. If you'd like to talk to me, please feel free to call at any time. Thank you. Have a good day.
0: And now, today's ministry spotlight. Well, good morning.
1: I'm pleased to have our new friends, the Evans, Philip and Margaret, uh, with us here in the recording studio, and they live in Anglesey Island, uh, which is off the north coast of Wales, and they've come all this way to be with us in Nassau for our World Missions Conference. Uh, Good morning, friends. Good morning. morning. Lovely to be here. (laughs) Thank you for being here. And uh, although you live in in Wales, and uh, Philip, you pastor a church in Wales, uh, you have always been open um, to the... Spirit leading you on short-term summer missions to other countries. How
3: many trips have you made to Nepal? We think, I think it's about 25. I can't be absolutely sure. could be 24 or 25. Wow, tremendous. And how
1: many of those has uh, your wife, Margaret, accompanied you? Margaret's accompanied me on, we think, 15 or 16. Fabulous. Wow, what a team. Would you tell our listeners, please, Something about uh, church growth in Nepal and the difference uh, Nepalese people
3: have in their society because of the gospel. Yes. Nepal is an amazing country, very unusual country. It's a landlocked country, sandwiched between the two huge superpowers, India and China. Nepal has a population of around 30 million, and it was closed to the gospel until about the 1960s mm. when some uh, missionaries from India, Indian Christians who spoke Nepali, went in there to uh, give out gospel literature and preach the gospel and share the gospel in, in a very um, small way, one-to-one conversations because India is predominantly a Hindu, has been a Hindu country, about eight, 80% Hindu uh, about 10% Buddhist. And the Hindu religion has this caste system mm-hmm. where uh, there are many castes. Uh, and if you're in the high caste, the Brahmin, they are generally the people with the power mm-hmm. and with the money and with the wealth. And the lowest caste, e- each caste can only do certain uh, vocational jobs. And, and the lowest of the low castes are, are really um, in in that poverty for for their life and mm. there's no way of escape within Hinduism. Mm. So the gospel is such good news. Sure. To people in, in Nepal. As I, I mentioned at the conference here that the Nepalis understand the concept of blood sacrifice mm. because in Hinduism there'll be witch doctors and they will sacrifice goats and chickens in their religion. Uh, And in many cultures of the world, the uh, blood sacrifice still is understood. And so that's why the gospel will communicate to these people. When we tell them that Christ died, shed his blood once and for all, and he rose again, it's a very powerful message. Yes. He died for our, paid the price for our sins. That blood pays the price for our sins. And I would often describe it as a debt that we owe, as the Bible does, and Jesus came and paid that debt so that we can go free. And and that's what these Indian missionaries would do. And and little by little, they began to see uh, one or two converts. And I've been privileged to meet some of those, and Margaret has as well, some of those early converts who are now men in their 60s or 70s. They were young people then. And, uh, of course, in those days... People didn't understand. Uh, they saw Christianity as being a Western thing. They were very afraid of it. And they um, there'll be a lot of opposition, a lot of persecution. So in the 1960s, there would be just a handful of, of believers. Today, uh, it's estimated there's around 1.5 million believers. Glory to God. Out, out of 30 million, which is a very significant number mm-hmm. and they're not nominal believers because even now it, it, it's um it costs something to to say you're going to follow Jesus and particularly if you're brought up in a Hindu um, religion it, it can mean that parents uh, don't understand what their young people are doing if they want to give their lives to Jesus so that their families can be divided there's still that uh, persecution and opposition. In all religions, there's extremism and there's Hindu extremism that will seek to uh, uh, still persecute Christians. But the growth has been, as you've said, exponential. And um, it's like now that everyone in Nepal that we meet, they know of some Christians. They Mm -hmm. know of uh, the existence of Christians, and they're very curious. And from our experience, Christianity is um, gives a very good testimony um, the out there because that they have a lot of um, miracle healings. They look after orphan children, mm-hmm. and a lot of them um, now. They they the church we work with. They actually have started businesses. They export coffee. They mm-hmm. grow coffee in Nepal. They They start to when you teach them the word of God. They they think differently mm-hmm. because in in Hinduism, if you're in the lowest caste and you're told that. Well, you'll never, you'll never get out of that, and your whole life you can only, um, you know, pick up pebbles from the the river, and, and that's what you're going to do for the rest of your life. But when these people repent and give their lives to Jesus, they're born again, baptized. They start to think in a different way. Yes, they realize that God is their Father. He's got a plan for them, and it's much better than the plan that that uh, was put on them that they were born with. So the gospel is really transforming there. And it is good for, although we believe we're a blessing to the Nepali people, we come back changed as well because we see the gospel that we have to share in Wales is the same gospel. And it still has the power to change, even though we may not see as much happen in Wales. Yes. Is there a ready availability of Bibles For the believers, there there is a a continuous need for more more and more Bibles because uh, there are so many people coming to the Lord. Mm -hmm. They they all need Bibles, so it's one thing we've tried to help them with, and uh, I think they tell us it it costs about three pounds. That's probably about four or five dollars a Bible. It's actually cheap. They can purchase them because they're printed in India, actually printed in Nepal as, as well. There's no problem with obtaining them it's it's the money which is a lot to them if you think there's a thousand new converts you're, you're talking of about five thousand dollars which is a, a huge amount of money to them so yeah what we do um try and help them with Bibles and one wonderful thing is in, in Nepal there are some Tibetan refugees oh. and some of those have come to the Lord they now go into Tibet taking Bibles sharing the gospel in Tibet, which is part of China. Isn't that marvelous? The power of God, the sovereignty of
1: God. Well, thank you so much for sharing um, some of your observations in the country of Nepal. And as you were doing so, I was thinking that our, our God is a global God, and he, he loves uh, people of every country. He um, has given one savior for all countries. He has provided yes. one finished sacrifice for all uh, nationalities, all ethnicities, all backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And maybe there would be some listeners here this morning that, uh, as you've been speaking about the uh, good testimony of uh, the believers in Nepal and the good works of the churches there, that they too have been desirous of having a better testimony where they live, and to help be contributors to their own local churches uh, being vibrant and uh, loving where they are located. So I'm just going to pray for those things uh, with you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your heart of love to uh, send Jesus to be the once for all time blood sacrifice for the sins of the world. And we thank you, Lord, that as we come to him in faith, in him and only him in faith, you make us new from the inside out. I pray, Lord, for uh, myself and for all of our listeners today that we would be transformed people, that we would see you as being the reason for what we say and what we refuse to say, you as the reason for what we think and what we refuse to think, you being the reason for what we do and what we refuse to do. We pray that our testimony, wherever we live, would be uh, consistent and honoring to Christ. We pray for the various churches and assemblies that we associate with, that we would be a part of them having an outward focus of love and uh, sharing the gospel. We pray that we would be uh, desirous of sharing with those in need and loving people with Jesus' love. And we just pray that the church in Nepal would grow, uh, continue to grow exponentially under your hand of blessing as the gospel is shared and lived. And we pray that the 1.5 million mm-hmm. born-again Christians in that mm-hmm. land would uh, be an inspiration and an encouragement to the rest of the world that uh, you want to use us mightily as well. All to the honor and praise and glory of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in His
0: name we pray, with thanksgiving always. Amen. 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 You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com or box. N1684 Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a Savior.